Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Finance and Accounting Show. And today I have another great guest on, Robert Bendetti. And the reason why I think this is great is because a lot of people don't realize finance professionals have personalities. They're not only good at finance and can provide a lot of great insight for business owners, but they have a lot of personality. And you'll definitely see it when I bring Robert on. So stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of the Finance and the Accounting Show. This is the place to go for small business owners. If you're looking for a great way to understand the finance and the accounting side of your business, you're in the right place. So stay tuned and enjoy the episode. So without further ado, let me bring Robert on. Hey, welcome to the show, Robert. Oh, you set the bar, bar high. I need to be entertaining <laughs> and engaging and humorous. This is stressful now. <laughs> well, I will definitely say if anyone has ever seen any of the interviews that you've done with, you know, the upstate CFO or the global CFO council, um, they can quickly see that, hey, you know what? You, you actually have fun enjoying what you do. So I, I think that says a lot. Well, Terrell, you know this as a fellow bean counter, right? That we're we're actually really cool folks. We're guys with good personalities that are we at least tricked one girl into liking us and got married, so we must be all right. And it's the annoying sometimes fellow coworkers or customers who drive us crazy that make us a little bit weird, but otherwise we're totally normal and sometimes even fun. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that I always said that. You know, if you're working with a finance professional and you just cannot get along with them, you're probably not going to get the most value out of that working relationship. I mean, it's just like any relationship. I mean, it's just like if you can't get along with them, you're probably not going to go to them for advice. Yeah, good point. Like, they don't need to be your best friend. It's probably good if they're not. But you got to kind of like them a little bit like a uh, physical trainer. You know, you need that coach. <laughs> you need that financial trainer. You got to You got to not despise them, but they don't need to be your best friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, before we jump into the details about the great things you're doing with the, you know, with the, all the CFOs throughout the Carolinas, as well as what you're doing on the Global CFO Council, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and kind of how did you land in the world of finance? Yeah. So my undergraduate degree is in finance. So when I was in college, I, I originally was going to be a writer for a newspaper, Ter Terrell, you're probably too young, but they used to print the news and <laughs> mail it or throw it at your house. And I wanted to do that. Uh, the best decision I ever made was find out how much you get paid being a staff writer at a newspaper. It, it, it was $18,000 a year. And even back then, like a hundred years ago, that was not a lot of money. And I was like, I'm waiting tables, working my way through college. I am not going to go to college for four years to make $18,000. So I, I got into the business school, got a degree in finance. And so it was like corporate accounting, uh, right out of the gate, working for manufacturing companies. And then kind of as a lot of people do, I went back and got the MBA after a few years of experience, really like that. And I realized, okay, I don't want to be VP of ops, maybe VP of finance. And I started reading job descriptions and I realized it kept on saying CPA preferred, CPA preferred, CPA preferred. And I was like, well, man, I don't have a lot going for me. So I need to be in the preferred <laughs> column to have any shot. So I went back to school, got another master's degree in accounting, and I sat for the CPA exam. And then 
and a bit got a CFO role. And so I'm like an official bean counter. All right. You and me, we're <laughs> equals. We're both CFOs. We can talk numbers real fast. Awesome. Now, you know, one of the things I'm curious about, because I, I, I went to grad school and got my master's in accounting. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective is how was how would you compare the MBA experience to kind of the MSA experience? The MBA experience is very collaborative. I'm interested in how other people interpret the information and how they've handled things in their own like experience. How that it's such a joy to be around people in an MBA program. You've got engineers, you've got business people, you've got all, all walks of life. It's it's really quite cool to hear how they are interpreting this information and then applying it. In a master's degree in accounting, I could care less what you think about business it's debits and credits there is no practical application there is only the actual application so i just needed to learn the information get a good grade on the test and pass the cpa exam gotcha gotcha you know i think it's always very interesting because like i said when i i think about my experience with the msa i always wonder like what would it have been like if i went the mba route instead and and, you know, and I guess that brings me to the next point, like when you when I come across people who have gone the accounting route the whole way where they've gone MSA and then they go into public accounting, they land into their first job. They seem to have a little bit of a challenge to actually communicate financial information to non-financial counterparts. I mean, is that something that you've seen as you kind of move through your career? Yeah, I think a lot of technical people are not default excellent communicators. It might be because they're not great communicators. They were, they, they want, they found either joy or success and being scholastically gifted and getting great grades at really hard subjects. And so they, some people just always are constantly trying to make their strength better. So they're more technical, more technical, more technical, and never working on the personal or communication. So that could be kind of part of it. And then the other thing I know, I can't really speak to all fields, but in accounting, the big four firms for accounting that so many people want to work from, they pretty much only hire 4.0s. So all you get is a bunch of people who never left their dorm room. <laughs> like they never had a beer. They never had a good time. They, you know, I don't know if they talked to a human in four years and now, I'm, you know, somebody's going to email me and say, no, I'm super different than that. And I was, you know, I'm a senior associate at KPMG. God bless you. OK, but I'm just uh, I'm making broad brush statements that a lot of technical people just work on their strength with is technical. And then another broad brush thing is it's it's hard to get a job at a big four firm. I I couldn't I didn't have the grades for that. And to get the grades for that, you've got to sacrifice some social stuff that might've helped you build the practical application of interacting with people. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now as you kind of matriculated kind of through your career, like I said, you, you know, you're, you're in the CFO seat, you know, was your experience that you're having now, did it align with what you expected the CFO role to be? Well, I'd say two things. One is that, I, when I was a kid, I always thought the CEO or the CFO, they were like in charge and everybody just did what they said, you know, and they were the boss, like on TV, 
you know, my, I, my mom and dad didn't have fancy jobs. And so I didn't really have anything to base reality in other than TV. And it, you know, so like the boss was in charge and people just did what they said. And I always kind of thought, well, that'd be kind of cool to just have a job where, you know, you just come up with like cool ideas and people just do them. And uh, that is totally not how things work. Like at all, <laughs> like not at all. Uh, my actual job is just helping people do what they already want to do. And uh, like nobody listens to me. Uh, I mean, unless I'm agreeing with them and getting them what they want, nobody is taking, is asking my opinion or doing what I say. So that that's one thing is that it, it's a lot more about service uh, than I realized. And then the other thing is I tell people, I really wish I'd paid more attention to business law, that a lot of our job, and, and I think you would agree, is reading contracts and leases. And uh, I didn't really think about that. You know, I studied GAP and cost accounting and uh, kind of paid attention during business law. But I, the CFO role, man, that especially of a mid-market firm. And so you don't have in-house counsel. Uh, a lot more business law than I realized. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the interesting things I, I would say when I did my, I guess you say, kind of as a junior financial analyst and I did a role in investor relations with a Fortune 500 company. And so I got the opportunity to get close to like the, the C-suite and I noticed the same thing. Like I said, before I thought like, okay, everybody just jumps at what, you know, if you have a C in your title, like if your title starts with the C, like people just jump to what you say. And then I noticed like, oh, there's a little bit of pushback here and there's actually negotiation and there's like, oh, like this person who has a C in their title has to actually convince these people to go do it. Like, wow, there's a whole lot of influencing. Like, I agree. It, it was it was a little bit of a shocker to me because I didn't come from a family of, you know, where people had professional jobs. My mom was a stay at home mom. My dad was um, career military. So it was like, wow, this is very interesting. So speaking of that, like, how did you go about kind of developing kind of like those influencing skills and like the leadership side of it? Well, there were good habit and bad habit. So there were some early on jobs that I had at really large firms where my boss's boss's boss the super senior leadership of these massive firms, they really did kind of run the show like that. So it reinforced negative and bad behavior. So the first couple jobs, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be there one day. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And you know, somebody needed a cup of coffee, I'd go get it. Cause someday somebody's going to have to get me a cup of coffee. You know, this is going to be awesome. I can, I can, you know, work the grind. And so that, that I wish I hadn't done. I wish I hadn't seen that because the rest of my career, that's been really unhelpful because the truth is most people, 99% of people do not react positively to that kind of attitude. And it isn't productive. What's way better is if you're, uh, if you have the opportunity to be in a leadership role, whether that's work or church or uh, school or your community, you're serving others. You've been promoted because you are willing to sacrifice more of your schedule to serve others and equip them whatever they need to do to achieve the mission of the organization. And so I, you know, I kind of had to shake and I'm still working on this. Uh, so I'm kind of preaching to myself here, hoping I'm listening, is that I got to kind of shake some of those bad habits and make sure I don't lean 
on that and that I lean forward towards serving people. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I, I completely understand that. You know, you know, one of the other aspects I think of the CFO role that I'm interested in is like, you know, as you spoke about, you know, really you spend a lot of time helping people do what they kind of already decided to do. Like, you know, when you're in the CFO role, like, you know, you have that experience with being able to understand the finance and like a person can bring you a situation. You can kind of think through it and be like, oh, this may or may not, you know, turn out very well financially. Like, you know, have you experienced situations like that where you you had to help explain to someone why the road they're on may not lead to the destination that they want to get to? Yeah, every day. So that that is the job. In a perfect world, I'm like the internal consultant for the CEO or the internal consultant for the sales and growth leaders uh, operations. And so they are talking to me during the planning and thinking process so we can kind of collaborate. So that's one. If you aren't, if you're finding yourself being told after the fact that the decision's been made, well, you probably haven't built enough of a rapport with the folks to get invited to the earlier parts of the conversation. Or if you're a fractional CFO and you've got clients and uh, they're, they're telling you, hey, this is what I did and it's really bad. Can you help me? You got to flip that timing of that relationship and, and start a little earlier. And then when it's your peers or maybe the team in which you support, I, I think a good process for those kind of conversations is when folks come in and say, hey, I have a problem and I'm not sure what to do about it, to ask them, well, if you, you know, what are your best two ideas? And probably one of those ideas is really good. And even if just maybe just one of them is just sort of good, just say, yeah, let's go with that because they thought of it. They're going to they've got an invested um, now. Oh, gosh, this has got to work out. Right. Because I complained about it. And then he went with my idea. So it's got to work. Right? if you just give them your idea, they're like, oh, that was stupid. I don't like that idea. And they're going to work really hard for that idea to fail. But if you kind of like, you know, go along with their decent idea, they're going to be like, oh, no, I got to make this work now. And they'll really hustle to make their idea better. And then what you do is you just keep them off the guardrails of life. You know, there's going to be a little scratching on the sides. They might make, you don't want them to crash into the ditch. But, um, you know, you're just trying to help them uh, guide them along, but try to support the idea that they they mentioned. Gotcha. I mean, I think if you're listening and you're watching, that was amazing golden wisdom there. So that I think that, that part of the interview you should definitely go back and listen to it over and over again. Cause I, I mean, I don't know if people grasp the level of wisdom that you shared there. Um, and just, you know, like I said, that concept of influence, helping influence people to make the decisions that are probably in the best interest of themselves as well as the best interest of the organization. So definitely thanks for sharing that. Now, one other thing that I wanted to really dive into is, you know, the awesome work that you're doing, with you know the CFOs in the upstate and throughout the Carolinas, um, and then also what you're doing with the global CFO. I mean, tell us a little bit about that and kind of how that started. Sure, the Global CFO Council is a uh, educational uh, networking forum for senior financial executives, and it started off just where I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I moved here from another city. And in that city, there was a fellowship group that was really great for senior financial executives. And it's nice. I mean, you know this, 
it's nice for us to be able to break bread together and fellowship in our our similar jobs and us you know if you and i got to have lunch together we'd have some really common interests and, and common problems that we're dealing with so i really enjoyed it in that old city i used to live in and when i moved I asked if there was like a chapter in my new city and they were like, nah, this is the only thing. There's nothing like this. So we, we just kind of started it. And I was like, well, I am totally going to steal the basis of this idea. You're now on my advisory board and we're starting a chapter in the new city. And then, so I did that and uh, uh, it's a great group of folks in this town. And then uh, I wanted to start one in another city in my state. And so I did that and that's going great as a selfish reason to visit my son who's going to college in the area. <laughs> and uh, and then when COVID hit, horrible, terrible pandemic that's impacted us all, very serious. And, uh, but one outcome of it is I had to turn to virtual meetings. And whereas before, when people would reach out to me and say, hey, Robert, can you set up a CFO council in my city, XYZ? I'd say, I'll help you, but I can't do it by myself and then I'd never hear from them again, right? Because they'll come for the free breakfast, but they're not gonna set it up. Well, when we're virtual, anybody can join from anywhere. So that's where we created the global CFO council. And we now have 1400 members in 31 countries and growing. And now just as as, as cities allow and you're able to have fellowship in a group setting again in different cities around the world, we're 25 or more gathered, I'll have social events quarterly and we're 100 or more gathered will have chapters that kick off. And it's, again, it's just a fellowship, educational networking forum for senior financial executives like us, you know, CFOs, fractional CFOs, corporate controllers. I don't, I don't really care what the title is. And uh, the best part, I know my people, is that it's free. <laughs> because I have a job. I am, I am the CFO of Lifecycle Engineering. I do not need the money. And uh, so that's a, a really low cost to uh, a low barrier to entry. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I think that's so amazing because there's so much insight that you can gain from, you know, your, your counterparts. I mean, I will say, I think back to my experience when I was working at General Electric, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed was talking to there were, I mean, I guess with such a big organization, there were so many finance people who were, you know, dealing with some of the same stuff you were dealing with, just being able to bounce ideas off people is like, I don't have to come up with this answer all on my own. Like somebody has gone through this before. Somebody can provide some insight or point me in the right direction of some resources. So, I mean, that's amazing that you created that massive platform. Yeah, I think it's cool. I like public speaking. And so selfishly, I just wanted a platform where I knew I, I didn't have to apply or ask anybody to speak. I had a guaranteed <laughs> slot. So that's what this is really about, is satisfying my own personal desires. <laughs> I love it. As as promised, like I told you guys, the personality is there. I mean, it, it, you what I'm finding sometimes as I talk to some people and, and as long as I've been doing this show, I mean, which has only been like, what, um, what a year and a half, whatever, people keep coming to me and they're like, you know what, I'm surprised that you're a finance person. Like, really? Like, that? I'm, I'm not sure how to really take that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, people, they always say to me well, that uh, they always meet me and they're like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like you, you're all right. <laughs> what was the alternative like you know 
or uh, you know you work in the plant you walk around the plant and people will be like you're all right for a bean counter you know slap <laughs> on the back i'm like prettiest compliment of all time <laughs> and terrell i really like the uh the fact that i listen to your podcast. I really like the ones that where you and your wife are doing them together. And one of my favorite parts is that you always take like, and it's always great and entertaining, but you take like a two minutes to set up a question and then your wife like answers it in two seconds. It's always like <laughs> slammed up. You know, you're like, and story and blah, 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 alliteration. Blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, well, boom. <laughs> I, I'm, I appreciate you mentioning that. I, I'll definitely have to share that with her. Um, because it's one of those, you know, one of those, I think probably just part of the, the fun part of figuring out marriage is just, you know, those different personality types where it's just like, in, if you talk, if you met us personally, we're kind of like the opposite to where it's like, if she's telling the story, she'll set it up. I'm just going to get straight to the point. Now, when we're talking about finance and we're doing the show, it's like I'm the one that's like, I set the story, set the stage, and she just comes in, boom. All right, here's here's the answer. Like, oh, okay, got it. You know, roles have switched when we're on camera. <laughs> well, it's charming, and you guys are a great group. Ah, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, for those people that are interested in, like I said, what you're doing with the amazing communities with the CFOs. How can they find you guys online or like where do they find a chapter? How do they find out what you guys are up to? It's very simple. I try to make it easy. You can go to globalcfocouncil.com. Got it. Got it. You know, I'm surprised that you found that, that, that one available. Well, I spent quite a long time trying to figure out what to call it so that it was available. So, and, and I won't go through all the iterations I had because my kids were like, that's the worst name ever. Like, stop, <laughs> stop it, quit, stop talking to us, leave us alone. Uh, so I, I just found that in most countries, the words global, CFO, and council are pretty universal, slightly different spelling or universal. And so that was really the intent, whether you're Spanish or French or uh, any Romance language, language English, uh, you know, a, it seemed like the best option for me. And it was available. So that that was good. And then I also think I'm the only Robert Bendetti that's a CFO. So uh, <laughs> if you want to go to LinkedIn, uh, there aren't a lot of Robert Bendettis and or certainly not super handsome bald ones. And so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And then for those that are looking on LinkedIn, there you go. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask about, um, cause this one stood out to me, the videos and the interviews. Um, can you tell, tell us a little bit about what can people expect from those? Yeah. So I'm against, I, I don't know if it's lazy or efficient, but I have five questions. Uh, no, six questions. Oh my God. Six questions. I ask every single person the same thing. And I just email all the members and I say, is anyone willing to do a, an interview? And a bunch of them said, yeah. And so I record them and post them on our website and on our YouTube channel and on LinkedIn. And I think it's a good way for folks to kind of get a sense of the members. And uh, so I'm 
I'm looking forward to doing more of those. And especially to our global members, you know, now as we have people all over the world, really looking forward to uh, find, that's a little harder because of time zones and, and uh, language barriers, but working with them and having a more diverse uh, representation on the interviews. And then also the feedback, you know, so just the global perspective of information, I think is so important and I think will be so valuable. But we, you know, cover the basics like your favorite book, advice, something you like about your current job, a cool new tool or habit that you picked up, stuff like that. It's light, it's easy. And usually there's at least one really interesting nugget to pull out of the seven or eight or 10 minute interview. Awesome, I love it, I love it. And now speaking of interesting nugget, one of the questions that I ask every guest that comes on any of my shows is, you know, when you think about where you've been kind of from your, your history, your story and where you are now, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other business leaders? I got two, two uh, ideas that are popping the head here. And one is that to emphasize a truism that's probably been brought up every single time, but to small business owners, solopreneurs, is that cash is king. Uh, that I'm gonna read a quote. Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, cash flow is reality. And there's nothing more important than having cash. The customer promising you to pay will, will not pay your car payment. You have to actually get the cash so doing the job is not awesome. Being paid is awesome. So that's number one. Uh, number two is that no is a perfectly good answer, especially for small business and, and solopreneurs, that 20% of your uh, customers are driving 80% of your profit. And you need to know which customers those are. Or if you own a restaurant, which days those are, hours those are, menu items though those are. It, it is a, there's a really unbelievable is a truism of every industry, every company, unbelievable concentration of profitability within your full suite of customers. And you might need to say no to some of the folks that aren't on that 20% list. And another uh, application of that is small business owners or solopreneurs often think the second food truck, the second location, the second restaurant is two times the profit. That is not the truth. You are likely it is, it is half the profit and not half the profit of that location. It's half total because it'll lose half the money you're making in the first location. So when people say expand, oh, you need another food truck, you need another restaurant, you need another van to do your mobile detailing. No is a perfectly good answer because two times the location, two times the employees is not always two times the profit or more importantly, two times the Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, Robert, thank you so much for being an amazing guest and coming on the show. It's definitely been a pleasure having you. Well, it's been an honor. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy being on it. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.